Hello and welcome back to another edition of the podcast. It's We're the North Bank, brought to you by 90 Minute Football. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by the brilliant Dan Potts. Dan, how you doing, mate? I'm all good, cheers, H. All good, man, and looking forward to this one. Even though there's no Arsenal this week, it's always good to chat Arsenal with you, mate. For sure. International break uh, this week. And I've been having this kind of debate with people quite a bit, actually, over the last few days. And I keep saying that actually now that my job revolves around football, I actually look forward to these in a way because it means I get a weekend that's a little bit less intense, um, you know, a, a little bit more relaxing. There aren't the stress levels that come with, with following the Arsenal and all of that stuff. But, you know, by the time we kind of get to the end of it, I'm very much like, right, can the Premier League hurry up and come back now? Uh, because it really, really does feel like an age since we last played. And it feels like an age uh, since we're going to, uh, well, feels like an age before we're going to take on Manchester City at the Etihad this weekend. The big news today, Dan, um, at the time of recording is, of course, uh, Thomas Partey uh, finally arrived at London Colney, had all of his pictures done. Uh, we expect him to be training from tomorrow. Um, so really, really looking forward to seeing Thomas Partey in action as soon as possible. Um, he's given a little bit of an interview to the club um, and I'm just going to pick out a couple of little bits from it. Um, he talks about how happy he is to be part of the Arsenal family um, and what a great club this is, one of the biggest clubs in Europe. And it's a club that deserves to be aspiring for greater things. He says he doesn't think it happens in a day. We have to work hard, though, to make sure that we are back where we belong. And he wants to make everyone feel happy. Um, the kind of usual stuff that you get in an interview. So I'm not going to read too much into that. But how excited are you, Dan, to see Thomas Partey potentially feature against Manchester City in the Premier League this coming weekend? Well, I'm very excited if he can put in two assists like he did the other night for Ghana. I mean, he was exceptional, wasn't he? And I think when you look at what party brings, it's not just this guy that sits in front of the back four and, and does what Kante or Ndidi does. He's much more than that. He's much more of a Vieira or Yaya Toure figure that's going back and forth, box to box. He can be that enforcer to break up play, but he's got a pass on him. And I think it's going to give us the tempo that we need and the balance in our midfield. So I'm extremely excited to see it. But there's something about interviews that just kind of since Arteta, I suppose, um, came to the club, just clicked with it. And that's what I got when I listened to Thomas Party. He's bought into the Arteta way. He's happy to look at us progressing. He was more than happy to come to us, even though we weren't in playing Champions League football. There's a lot of rumours suggesting that he's a big Arsenal fan and follow Patrick Vieira and wants to follow his footsteps. He's saying all the right things and let's hope that he's showing all the right things on the pitch because that's the next thing. It's all good speaking about it, but you've got to show it. And that's what Arteta's done. And I hope that parties can do that as well. It's just for me going to be interesting to see what he does with that midfield. I hope he does start because I don't want to see him on the bench when we'd be so excited about it. I get the feeling Sabios may miss out on this one and he may go with Chaka and Party, but we'll soon we'll soon see what happens, man. I'm what buzzing for it though. What, what do you think the chances are of Thomas Partey actually starting the game? Because as much as I want him to start, I, a little part of me feels like Mikel Arteta might say, hold on a minute. We, we're going away to Manchester City. I, I don't necessarily think that you, you're right for this. Maybe this current system that we're playing, maybe the signing of Partey shows that we're going to shift that. We're going to go to the back four. 
But this wouldn't be the game, in my opinion, to try that. This this is the kind of game where we go in with that back three, the back three that's given us much success in recent times against the so-called bigger sides. So for those reasons, I'm not 100% sure that we're going to see Thomas Partey from the start. What do you think his chances are of being selected from the very off? I've got this nasty feeling that we ain't going to see him. And um, I think we've got to. I think we've got to see him from the start. You know, uh, you sign a player like that, you can't leave him on the bench, man. You've got to be playing, you know. If I, if I have been signed for that much, and uh, I'll be banging on Arteta's door saying, what have I done wrong? What's going on? You ain't put me in the side. So I think it has to be, you know. None of this nonsense about him travelling and all that stuff. He needs to be playing in this side as much as possible. It may be that Danny Ceballos misses out because I'm not sure that he's the right partner for him if you're going with a four, a three at the back. But if he was to go straight for 4-3-3 and match Man City, then it would be interesting. I'm just not sure we've had enough time to implement a different formation and style yet. So I can see him coming into the mould. I would start him 100%. I would play him because I think he's the best midfielder we've now got. This is the best midfield signing we've had in the Emirates era, period. This is this is huge. So to not start him against one of the best sides, footballing sides in the world on their day, I think we have to play him, Harry. Have to. Yeah, fingers crossed you're right. I, I want to see him start. Don't get me wrong. It's not um, me suggesting that I don't want to see him start. I just, like you said, I feel like if it does signify a formation change, is it the right game to try that in initially? Um, you know, we've had success against Manchester City playing in a certain way and I don't expect Mikel Arteta being, the, I guess, the pragmatist that he's proven himself to be in recent months. I can't see him necessarily drifting away from that, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope Thomas Partey starts. I can't wait to see him in action uh, in the famous red and white of Arsenal. Now, we could um, and probably are most likely going to be without Kieran Tierney. Now, of course, Kieran Tierney had to pull out of the Scotland squad having been in close contact with Stuart Armstrong, uh, who tested positive for COVID. Now, it's worth stressing that Kieran Tierney tested negative for the virus. So Kieran Tierney doesn't have the virus. But of course, the rules in Scotland and the rules here in England and, and as far as, as the Premier League are concerned, are a little bit different. And that's where there's a bit of a, a dispute and a debate going on at the moment. Arsenal are desperately trying to get Kieran Tierney back to London and able to, to take part on Saturday. Um, but as frustrating as this is, Dan, it, you know, from the Scottish FA's perspective, they can't be seen to be making allowances, can they? Just because Kieran Tierney's a footballer. Yeah, man, this is a frustrating one for me, man. Before I say that, just a shout out to KC in the chat, by the way. Kevin Campbell, top man. Um, I didn't see that. Shame not, on me. Shame on you, man. Shame on you. How you I doing, KC? I hope you're good, Kev. I hope you're good. Um, yeah, man, listen, that's... I know you said at the start that you like it in terms of the selfish reasons for you to get a break in the internationals. I don't like it just for the pure fact that what's going on in the, in the world at the moment, this can happen. And we're not making it easier for players to be safe. We're making it harder because they're travelling all over the globe now. And I think that when you look at Kieran situation, finally, this was the game I hoped we were going to see him back at left wing back with the three at the back of Gabriel Luiz and Holding. And now it looks like he can't play. I've got a sneaky feeling that we may be able to try and sort him into the squad. But again, not sure that it will start even if he does get to be passed as fit. But you're right in terms of what Scotland are doing. Listen, it's it's a real tough situation, isn't it? Because somebody gets this. The different rules are if you get it, it's 10 days. We see him 14 days. There's so much confusion with it. And I think even Kieran Tierney himself said, look, 
I've not been nowhere near him. I've been socially distancing. I've tested negative. Why do you want me to just because I've been in contact? Loads and loads of confusion. So as far as I'm concerned, mate, I'd love to see Kieran Tierney play and start for Arsenal because that is the position I want to see him play in. But it's looking more and more unlikely, isn't it, day by day that he's going to be playing at this rate? Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I think like you, I kind of feel like Arsenal may potentially still be able to swing this between now and the weekend. Um, but where that leaves Kieran Tierney in terms of training, in terms of match fitness, etc., it is another debate, isn't it? And it's another problem. It's just, you know, th there are so many mixed messages regarding sort of COVID-19, not just from, not just within football, but, you know, from the government as well, which makes this really, really difficult and really hard to know what the right course of action is to do with every individual case because the lines are so blurred um just a quick reminder to those of you who are currently watching us live on uh, youtube at the minute if you haven't already make sure you smash that like button it is so so important for the channel so please hit the like button if you haven't already and subscribe to the channel if you are new um Man City are going to be without some players though as well Dan um Kevin De Bruyne is is a, a big doubt Kevin De Bruyne has just torn us apart on so many occasions and you know I, I can't remember how many times I've come on this podcast after games against City and spoken of my admiration for, for Kevin De Bruyne for me he's the best player in the league he's the most complete footballer in the league as well he's strong he's quick um his technical ability is outstanding he's he's got the the footballing brain of uh, of some of the all-time greats. I think he's fantastic. And, you know, with a, a number of other players missing as well, um, such as Sergio Aguero, for example, um, it feels like this is, a, even though we've got some, some doubts of our own, it feels like this is an opportunity to go to the Etihad and put, um, put our bad record to bed. Well, listen, I mean, over the years, we've been destroyed by players like him. And for me, he's the best in the league. I don't like agreeing with you, Harry, but it's looking like we're going to today, <laughs> man, at the moment. But uh, yeah, man, listen, I, if there's ever a chance to play Man City without Yaya Torre, David Silva, Sergio Aguero, Kevin De Bruyne and Vincent Company, I think this is the first time in 10 years that's ever going to happen. So maybe it's a great time to play them. Not just that, they're not actually playing too well at the moment, particularly at the back. It doesn't matter whether it's Nathan Aki, whether it's John Stones, whether it's uh, Ruben Diaz, who they've just bought. I just don't see that they have enough quality there. And Pep doesn't seem to be able to coach defenders. And this is what I don't quite understand. He's got one of the best management styles or to implement. But as a coach, how great is he? Because I'm not sure that he improves defenders. He just goes and buys more. So I, I kind of get the opinion that there's a good time to play them. Defensively, they look a bit all over the place. Mendy and Walker are great going forward, but not so great at the back. And I think that we can really hurt Man City. I'm not going to sit there and say that I reckon this will be an easy 3-4-0 or nil win. But I think we could just nick this game if we get our system right and take our chances. I really do. Yeah, agreed. And again, find myself agreeing with Dan Potts. What is going on in the world? Um, <laughs> but uh, Matt Gray makes a great point in the chat as well. He says, does Ronaldo testing positive for coronavirus have an impact on any other of the City players? So um, Bernardo Silva, Ruben Diaz, of course, involved in the Portuguese setup. And we have heard this afternoon that Cristiano Ronaldo has left the Portuguese squad after testing positive for the virus. So I, I feel like, and this is kind of not Arsenal related, but I just I do want to touch on this because I feel like it's worth it. Are we in danger of, of heading towards another football lockdown as such? Because we're hearing more and more now, aren't we, of, of increased uh, of an increased number of cases. It's got to be a concern. It is a concern for me. And I, I don't know what's going to happen to the to the industry and, and 
to various other things and and people as well if if we do find ourselves having to put the game on hold again i i, I just it does frustrate me it does frustrate me because we're seeing now week in week out huge players missing out we're talking about one of the greats ever cristiano ronaldo the other day it was mane for liverpool um, and I don't think that was why they lost 7-2, by the way. <laughs> but certainly Mane, Mane is, a, is a huge list for Liverpool. We're talking about, you know, injuries and stuff for internationals like De Bruyne, which is completely separate. But then we go back and talk about Chiarantini. So it's a real frustration that we are still playing throughout this. I said it before, I don't know why we're doing internationals, particularly when it's not an actual tournament. If it's that not I agree Euros, with, yeah. You know, if it's not the Euros or the World Cup, give it a miss. Yeah, the Nations League. Is anyone really bothered about that? The Let's thing is, play. as well, Dan, like with, with with a tournament, we we talk a lot about bubbles at the moment, don't we? Staying within a bubble, and in a tournament setup, you can do that. You can stay within the group, within the squad, etc. But asking them to go to play, what you know, people talk about the UEFA Nations League. I mean, it is a glorified friendly tournament with the the aim of making meaningless international football a little bit more exciting the rewards if you win it yeah they're decent but they're not it's not a world cup it's not a euro so it just feels like at a time in the world where all of this is going on it was just so unnecessary and now it is the real challenge we're going to have and there's another international break not far down the road as well this is what i mean it's absolute madness i want this premier league to be consistently sort of uh, flowing and at the moment we're seeing it breaking up by stupid games like who cares that England beat Wales nobody actually gives a damn you know I actually thought we played quite well in the second half and then we see a dead team being picked against Belgium and I'm thinking oh how can I get off of this game when I'm looking at three right backs playing in our back five and then two defensive midfielders and the game's not even I'm not even bothered that we beat Belgium I want to see Arsenal playing football and at the moment it's being interrupted by internationals who are then KO in players because of coronavirus and they're putting players at risk. Let's just keep it simple, keep it in your country for now. And then if it can get to the stage where we can play the Euros and we can get fans back in the stadium by then, then think about it then. But this at the moment is just getting on everyone's nerves and players are just reporting back every day, aren't they, with being tested positive. And nah, nah, it needs to stop, man, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. Um, I can see you getting quite passionate about that, Dan. Uh, this next topic is definitely uh, going to see you uh, blow your oh top. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. Your mate, Mesut Ozil. Um, it came to light yesterday um, at the time of recording earlier on in a week that he had received an £8 million loyalty bonus from Arsenal. Um, I kind of had a little bit of a rant about it yesterday. Um you know, it sounds ludicrous when you think that he's not playing, that he's clearly not part of the team's plans. It kind of makes sense as to probably why he didn't want to go uh, during this transfer window, why he's adamant to see his contract out if he knew that was coming. Um, but we also have to remember when reacting to this, I think that this would have been drawn into his contract when he signed the extension back in 2018. And as bad of an, a sort of decision as it's looking to be now... I don't think the club would have envisaged being in a position where they've got a Mesut Ozil who isn't playing and having to give him that money. It just, you know, it, we that, that needs to be remembered when kind of discussing this. But what's your take on it? What was your reaction when you, you heard about it? 
congratulations to Ivan Gazidis and Arsene Wenger. You know, this uh, it's a huge leaving gift, isn't it? You know, we're now stuck with this guy. We didn't get Hossam Moir over the line because we're still paying for absolute waste men like this. This guy's not going to kick a football for us, yet we're paying him over £26 million this year to not kick a football. And people want to lord him for paying for the Gunnosaurus Rex. He can afford it. He's just been given another £8 million loyalty bonus. This guy is just so frustrating. Every time I see him, I just makes me angry. He's no player that I want to see in an Arsenal shirt. We don't need him. This guy has done nothing but, I think, nine assists in the last three seasons at this football club. And all they want to do is talk about this guy. Yet Saka, in one season, gets 11 assists. Don't speak about him. Let's just talk about Mesut Ozil. Why do we keep bringing up a guy who doesn't even kick a football for the club, Harry? Why are people so obsessed with this guy? You get Ozil lovers. Arsenal are going to lose fans when he goes. Do you know that? Because they're not Arsenal fans. They're Ozil lovers. And they will go to Fenerbahce with him or they will go to Galatasaray, China, America, wherever he goes after us. And whether he retires and people retire with him, do what you want. This guy needs to get out of our club. And the PR team alongside him needs to be removed as far as I'm concerned. This guy is on so much money a week. And that, which is not his fault, by the way, and we are cannot get rid of him because Arsene Wenger and Ivan Gazidis is criminal what they did. Criminal. All of these the, players are stuck here. The thing is, though, as well, like, you know, we sit here and we have a go at him and, and stuff. But, you know, if if he does genuinely feel wronged by the club and I've said it before on some of the subjects, on some of the issues, I actually agree with him. I actually agree that the club have handled them badly. For example... I think we've ruined his career, like you said. Come on, man. He's done that to No, I, I don't think we've ruined his career. Obviously, if the performances were that good, then you don't drop him. And it's impossible to drop him. A player performs, they make it impossible for them to be left out, for them to be overlooked. The fact that he is overlooked and actually, to some fans, it's not a big deal. Just tells you all you need to know about the way he's been performing. But there have been issues with Mesut Ozil and the club over the years. For example, when he spoke out about the treatment uh, of a, a group of Muslims in, in China. For me, Mesut Ozil, if he felt strongly about that, was, was right to come out and talk about it. Someone of his influence, someone of his reach, you know, should be trying to, uh, you know, encourage change in a positive way. It's 2020. We shouldn't see things like that going on in the world. What my gripe with the club was there was, why do you have to come out and distance yourself from his comments? It was all about sponsorship. And that was what it was all about. Arsenal chose to go against Mesut Ozil, their own player, their own star, essentially. And make no mistake about it, whether he's playing football at the moment or not, Mesut Ozil commercially, for the last, what, seven years he's been here, um, has been a star for Arsenal in the sense of the global reach, the merchandising, all of that stuff. And to go against him on an issue that I feel is a serious one and, and has nothing to do with football, I think was wrong on the club's part. I also think the club have been proved to be hypocrites in the way that they, um, you know, they leaked his name as one of the people that refused to take the pay cut. Yet there were two others who we still to this day don't know who they were. And add to that the fact that after he kicked off about it, you know, is it my money actually going to save people's jobs? The club went and made people redundant. But then when Kroenke wanted to get Thomas Partey and Edu went to him and said, we want to get Thomas Partey on deadline day, the Kroenkes had the cash to do that. So 
in those two instances where we're talking about him speaking out against the, the poor treatment of people, which is a humanitarian issue, not a football one. And when we're talking about uh, him questioning where his money was going to go and then the club being proved to sort of be hypocrites, I, I don't really put any fault on Mesut Ozil for those things. I, you know, I'm, not I do sure have... I fault. I'm not even sure I put fault on him for this for this situation we're talking about now either because this 8 million was not him who asked for that. He was exactly. given that by yeah. Wenger and Gazidis and it shows you how bad it is, man. I'm going to try and buy Arsene Wenger's new book and ask him if he'll take it in instalments, see what he says. Because <laughs> honestly, this is, this is criminal what's been happening in the previous regime and that's why we did a podcast on it on Friday night and it got some negative uh, feedback because people don't like to hear the truth. People do not like to hear the fact that, uh, you know, we are now in a in a present situation where the current regime has a plan. The other regime had no plan at all. Gazidis and Wenger were just plucking money out of the sky, giving Kalasanak on a free transfer, 130k a week. Yet they had no interest in going and signing proper players with proper recruitment. It was poor. And we need to move on from it. And that's why I cannot wait till the summer of 2021. And I've said this for ages now. These players will be gone. No more Mesut Ozil to talk about. A player that doesn't even kick a ball yet somehow gets in the news every single week. He's a massive PR stunt, mate, with everything he does. I can't stand the guy, man. Can't he is he, he is a massive PR stunt, but that is why as well the club have to handle things in the right way. Because for me, even as an Arsenal fan, when I look at Arsenal, when they distance themselves from those comments, I thought that was poor. Even as an Arsenal fan, imagine what the rest of the world was saying. When, you know, Arsenal made those people redundant, Again, uh, you know, I felt that was poor. When they made the Gunnasaurus redundant, I felt that was poor. When they then had the money to sign Thomas Partey, and of course I'm thrilled and over the moon that we've got him, but they're not helping themselves in that. They're giving Mesut Ozil the ammunition, and he is as, you know, whether it's him or a team around him, their PR game is 10 out of 10, and they are going to take advantage of each and every slip-up that Arsenal make along the way. And I would just be more mindful if I was the club about how I handle certain situations to not allow Mesut Ozil the opportunity to get an upper hand, to, to make them look silly. And he has done that on a few occasions. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll leave the Ozil talk there because it is a very divisive subject. And um, just before we move on to, to chat a little bit about uh, a couple of other topics, I want to get you guys to chuck your questions in the live chat. Uh, start them off with a cue at the beginning so that I can pick them out of the live chat with ease. And we're just going to pick a up a couple of those uh, before we round up today's show. So, um, Dan, not going to go into detail about Project big picture um, I think everyone agrees that it is a power grab uh, from some of the league's most powerful clubs and an attempt to wrestle more power uh, for themselves the games that we're hearing now are, well we know have, have gone to, to pay-per-view as well the non-televised games because of course many people thought that that football fans would be allowed back in stadiums by now unfortunately that's not the case I wasn't as outraged as some about the football going pay-per-view because ultimately those games, you wouldn't have been able to watch them on TV before. The difference now is you can't go. Um, but them going to sort of a pay-per-view system for the clubs to benefit from that, I don't really have an issue with. What I do have an issue with is the price point. How can you justify 1495 for Burnley versus Southampton, for example? 
this is this is another thing I get frustrated about me and get passionate about because I look at this situation. We cannot go to games, right? And I understand that we can't watch every single game. But what they've done is a massive F you to the fans yet again to say, if you actually want to sit there and watch this, you can't go to the games. But what you can do is watch them on TV. Brilliant. It costs you £15. How? Where have they got that from? Where has that number even been plucked from the sky from? Why is it that much? Who is good? I just feel like saying, I feel like begging fans saying, please do not give any more of your money away at this current climate, because at the moment it is a joke. We can see people go and sign Arsene Wenger's book and go and meet him, but we're not allowed to go to a stadium game and watch a game of football. Why also, is that? Dan, uh, as well, Arsenal, weren't Arsenal offering uh, people to go to the Emirates to watch the Man City game and pay 49 quid or whatever it was with a, a couple of drinks and, we a, and, and food in an indoor bar? We can't yeah. watch a football game, but we can go and watch it there on the TV. What what yeah. what is going on, man? This is madness. It, it's it all is. about money. It's all about TV revenue. It's all about how can we get more money out of a situation where we are not earning? Because at the moment, fans aren't coming to ground, so the money is in a mess. How are we going to get more money out of them? Put it on TV, charge them. Put it in grounds, charge them. I, I honestly cannot understand it, man. It's just it, absolute joke. Really is. It is. It's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. And and for us, you know, I think when I look at the the non televised fixtures. The ones that have been scheduled anyway. I think we've only got one game, um, which is against Leicester City, uh, which, you know, you can swallow one. But if you've got two or three of those in a month, it can get quite expensive. And, you know, they talk about illegal streaming and how bad that is and how damaging it is for the game. Well, this is the exact type of behavior that drives people towards illegal streaming, doesn't it? If you can pick up an IPTV service for 50 quid a year. But you're being asked to pay £15 to watch one game on Sky Sports or BT Sports box do? office. What are you <laughs> going to do? It's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer. So it is what it is. Right. Let's, uh, let's pick up a couple of questions uh, from the live chat before uh, we round off. I'm just going to pick a couple um, at random uh, here. Um, let's see what we've got. Bear with me. Uh, Felix says, how do you reckon we finish this season with Partey? So I'm assuming Felix wants a, a specific league position, Dan. Do you think uh, top four, top five, top six? What, what are you feeling with now that Thomas Partey's on board? Well, listen, everything, everything is saying that at the moment, if you look at the results from 2020, we're in third place in the league. So, of course, top four is on 100%. I just feel that Chelsea and United are going to pick up. They're not going to go into this craze that they have been. They're not going to go into this meltdown. Manchester City aren't going to be likewise. They're going to pick it up. I think we just might just miss out with fifth, man. I think we might just miss out on top four. I don't think Thomas Partey is is enough. I think he's improved us immensely, as has Gabriel, by the way, which is a huge signing. I just think we needed that creative midfielder. Hossamawa, I think, would have got us top four. We were in contention. Without him, I think we may just miss out. But listen, I hope I'm wrong, man. Of course, I want third or fourth. And I think we should be aiming for third or fourth, you know? I look at Chelsea and Man United and think team by team, player by player, maybe there isn't too much in it at the back. You know, there might be better of us going forward or certainly in midfield, they've, they've improved on us. But at the back, I'm looking at both goalkeepers. I'm thinking that, you know, with Kepa, even Mendy, De Gea, I think we've got the best goalkeeper. And our back line as well, definitely 100% is better than uh, than what they've got. But I still think there's going to be inconsistencies, man. So I'm going to be a little bit negative and I'm going to say that we're going to finish fifth, mate. But I hope I'm wrong, man. I hope you're wrong too. Um, I'm going to take this one. <laughs> this one's from uh, Tofa. He says, with Martinelli set to return in a few months, what should we expect 
with his return. He could give our front three some much-needed rest later in the season. I think it's so, so important that we're patient with Gabriel Martinelli. He started his Arsenal career like a house on fire. It was incredible. Um, And immediately, we all knew, didn't we, that we had a real, real talent on our hands. But don't underestimate the length of time it takes to fully recover um, from this type of injury that he's sustained. I'm not talking about being fit enough to be selected or to be, you know, back on the pitch. But to get back to your absolute peak is still a long road. We've seen it with Hector Bellerin, for example, um, a knee injury. We've seen how long it's taken him to get anywhere close to being the player he once was. And I know a lot of people would still argue that he probably isn't. Um, so that is obviously up for debate. But... I just feel like we need to we need to be really cautious with Gabriel Martinelli. He's a kid still at the end of the day. Um, and for me, you know, as much as I'm excited by his talent, I, I just feel like the 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 fact that we've got players now like Aubameyang, like Willian, that are a little bit more experienced in that front line will help someone like Gabriel Martinelli for me. Um you know, they'll take the burden. You want the, the experienced players to take the burden. We became a little bit sort of not reliant on Martinelli last season because he wasn't playing in every single game. But we kind of got to the point where he was a lot higher up the list, in my opinion, than he probably should have been at that age and having as little experience as he did in the English game. Partly that comes with the fact that he was so good and so impressive. But be patient, guys. You know, bear with him. It's going to take some time. And he's obviously got to find his, himself and his position in Mikel Arteta's side as well, which is a very, very different proposition. So long road for Gabriel Martinelli, but I'm confident that he will return back to his brilliant best. And we've got a real, real talent there. Right. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of We're the North Bank, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Minute Football. Uh, Head over to their YouTube channel. Subscribe. uh, Subscribe to We're the North Bank on all major podcast stores. This show goes up weekly on there. It's available via the audio platforms every Wednesday morning. So head over there. Check it out. And uh, myself, Dan, our regular contributors, and we'll be back very, very soon with more. So until next time, take care of yourselves, stay safe, and hopefully next week, Dan, we're talking about a Manchester City win. There oh, you go. Let's hope so, man. Let's well, hope so. Let me rephrase that before someone picks me up in the comments. A win over Manchester City. That's what I meant. Cheers, guys. <laughs>